0: Gracious, holy, and loving God, Lord, we come to you today, your grateful and thankful people for your love and goodness. We thank you on this spring day that we can uh, come into the warmth of your house and bring you praise. We ask, holy God, throughout our worship today that it would be pleasing to you, that you would speak to us through your word and your Holy Spirit, that we might be drawn to you. Father God, we come to you Praying for your blessings upon us, upon those that we've lifted up today. And we ask your gracious love be with us in our worship today. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. If you'll join with me in our call to worship, come and worship Christ, the visible image of the invisible God, the firstborn of creation, the eternal God, the one through whom all things were created and in whom all things are held together. As we prepare to lift up our joys and concerns today in prayer, my encouragement to you all is to come to God knowing that He has already overcome sin and death. He has already overcome all struggles. And so we can go to Him in faith knowing that there is nothing we can bring to Him that He cannot overcome for us. He can bring us victory. In all things. So, as we sing our prayer hymn today, let us know that we serve a God who can bring us victory in all situations. Gracious, holy, and loving God, we come to you today, your grateful and thankful people. Lord, as we have cold and rain today, we thank you for being able to gather into your house to bring you praise. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us the ability to to get out today. We thank you for the... Flowers and the blooms on trees that these rains bring as we see evidence of your new creation. Holy God, we come to you today lifting up to you our joys and concerns. We pray for those who are sick and in need of healing. We pray that you would touch them, that you would give them comfort. Holy God, we come to you praying for those who are grieving loss, We pray that you would give them your peace. Holy God, we just pray for all of those who need to experience your life-giving love in their lives. Holy God, at this time we come to you praying for our doctors and our nurses and our military and law enforcement, Lord, our healers and our peacekeepers and peacemakers. We pray for all who serve, but especially the friends and family of these churches we lift up to you, praying that you guide, direct, and protect them, but most especially let them know that they are never alone, but that you are with them. Holy God, we pray for our leaders in government. We pray that you would give them wisdom from on high, that you might work through them to do your will until that great day comes when your son comes again and you bring your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Gracious God, we come to you praying for those, most of all, for those that do not know you. We pray that you would use us as your ministers to share your love with them, that all might come to know the name of Jesus and be saved. Holy God, we come to you in this season of Easter, giving you thanks for the good news of the resurrection of your son Jesus, his victory over sin and death, and we come to you praying in confidence, knowing that you hear our prayers. And we continue praying to you today, the prayer that your son Jesus, the risen Lord of the church, taught us to pray so long ago. Our Father, who are in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. I did forget uh, that I do have one announcement to mention this morning. Um, I am going to be taking a Sunday off uh the sunday of memorial day weekend so i think that's may 30th so i'm going to be taking off may 30th and jeff minton from centralia is going to fill in for me here and at uh, at sandoval on that day so and i think he said the sunday before that he's going to come out and follow with me out here so he knows how to get out here and kind of follow me on my route so that he knows what to expect for the next Sunday, but Jeff Minton is going to fill in for me on Sunday, May 30th. Uh, just going to take a Sunday off, that's the Sunday after Pentecost. Kind of been going on a long stretch here without taking any time off, and uh, just kind of need to take a Sunday to kind of rest and recoup a little bit. Um, also, uh, just an FYI, um, they had talked about having a special online. General conference in May of this year, that has been canceled. General conference will not occur until next year, and I think August. So that's been put off until August, and annual conference is online this year. I'm not going to be able to attend that on the Friday because I've got to work. Um, Agnes, I'm going to double-check, but it sounds like um, young Ben... Uh, does not need to do that for a credit this year. So if you're interested at all, it's it's only going to be online, though. It's going to be sitting on a computer screen for two whole days. I don't know if you want to do that or not, but um, if you would be interested, um, could have them, because I think I have you on the list as the alternate for uh, our representative to annual conference. So just let me know if you would want to do that or not. Um, But that was the few announcements I had forgotten to mention. So with that being said, let's continue in our worship today and sing our hymn of faith. Mm Kids kind of had their children's message this morning when we were sitting and having coffee. So I'm going to go ahead and start in to our scripture this morning. We're going to be looking at the book of Colossians chapter 1 verses 15 through 23 and chapters 2 verses 6 through 23. Paul writes and says, he is the image of God, the invisible one, the firstborn of all creation. For in him, all things were created in the heavens and here on earth. Things we can see and things we cannot, thrones and lordship and rulers and powers. All things were created both through him and for him. And he is a head. Prior to all else, and in him all things hold together, and he himself is supreme, the head over the body, the church. He is the start of it all, first born from realms of the dead, so in all things he might be the chief. For in him all the fullness was glad to dwell, and through him to reconcile all to himself making peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, yes, things on the earth and also the things in the heavens. So what about you? Well, there was a time when you were excluded. You were enemies in your thinking and in wicked behavior. But now he has reconciled you in the body of his flesh through death in order to bring you into his presence, holy and blameless, without any accusation. This assumes, of course, that you keep firmly on in the faith, by which I mean solid on your foundations, and not shifting from the hope of the gospel which you heard. This gospel, after all, has been announced in all creation under heaven, and this is the gospel of which I, Paul, became a servant. In chapter 2, beginning with verse 6. So then, just as you received King Jesus the Lord, you must continue your journey in Him. You must put down healthy roots in Him, being built up brick by brick in Him and established strongly in the faith just as you were taught with overflowing thankfulness. Watch out that nobody uses philosophy and hollow trickery to take you captive. These are in line with human tradition and with the elements of the world, not the king. In him you see all the full measure of divinity has taken up bodily residence. What's more, you are fulfilled in him. Since he's the head of all rule and authority. In him, indeed, you were circumcised with a special new type of circumcision. It isn't something that human hands can do, it is the king's version of circumcision. And it happens when you put off the body of flesh, when you're buried with him in baptism, and indeed also raised with him through faith in the power of the God who raised him from the dead. In the same way, though you were dead in legal offenses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive together with Jesus, forgiving us all our offenses. He blotted out the handwriting that was against us, opposing us with its legal demands. He took it right out of the way by nailing it to the cross. He stripped the rulers and authorities of their armor and displayed them contemptuously to public view, celebrating his triumph over over them in him. So don't let anyone pass judgment on you in a question of food or drink or in the matter of festivals new moons or sabbaths these things are a shadow cast by the coming reality and the body that casts the shadow belongs to the king don't let anyone rule you out of order by trying to force you into a kind of fake humility or into worshipping angels such people will go on and on about visions they've had they've they get puffed up without good reason by merely human thinking. They don't keep hold of the head. It's from him that the whole body grows with the growth God gives it as it's nourished and held together by its various ligaments and joints. If you died with the king, coming out from the rule of the worldly elements, what's the point of laying down laws as though your life was still merely worldly. Don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. Rules like that all have to do with things that disappear as you use them. They are the sort of regulations and teachings that mere humans invent. They may give an appearance of wisdom since they promote a do-it-yourself religion, a kind of humility and severe treatment of the body, But they are of no use when it comes to dealing with physical self-indulgence. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Today we begin a new series of sermons that build off of the previous series in Lent that focused on the hints and anticipation of Christ's work on the cross that we get in Genesis and Exodus. In the beginning, God had a beautiful plan of creation that included us as his holy image bearers in the earthly realm. We were to be the beings that would go into the presence of God and carry out his will and love in the creation. We lost that when we chose to do things our way rather than to love God. But thanks be to God We have Easter. Jesus came as God in the flesh, lived, loved, and died for us on our behalf, holding up our end of the bargain, as it were, by being that good image bearer that we were called to be. And rising again, he declared his victory over sin and death. And through him, we have new life. But how does this work? The theological term for the means by which God makes us right with himself through Jesus is called sorteriology. And don't ask me how we get that word, but that is the word that theologians use as the code word to say we're going to talk about how Jesus' death and resurrection saves us. In Lent, we remembered our need for salvation as we looked at the first two books of Moses. In Holy Week, we witnessed Jesus' passion and we celebrated his victory on Easter. In the week's Between Easter and Pentecost, and including Pentecost now, we're going to look at the letters from Paul and the words of Peter and others to better understand how it is that God has won our freedom through Jesus' death and resurrection. And today we start with our passage from Paul in the book of Colossians. Colossians and Philippians both have what I refer to as their famous uh, poetic portions in them that essentially are what we would call a creed. Uh, Back whenever we were, if you remember way back last year when we were having worship outside, when it was nice outside, um, I did a message series on Philippians And I went through all the different parts of that famous passage in Philippians that says that though Jesus was God, he did not deem that as something to exploit. And instead he became a human. And he didn't just become a human, but he came as a human and died not just any death, but the death of a cross. And that his name is highly exalted because of this. If you remember that, well, our passages today in Colossians kind of have a similar uh, similar thing in them. That in chapter 1, beginning with verse 15, where it says, He is the image of the invisible God. This is another form of creed that Paul has included in his writing. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Meaning, He is God in the flesh. In the beginning, He was Always. He is essentially the human side of God. There's a reason why we're made in His image. It's not that God decided to become a human as much as it is that God always had a human element to Him and He made us like Him. The reason why we are human is because we are made in His image. And Jesus is that ultimate example of the divine human. And I can't stress this enough. The one who makes all things and holds all things together became a flesh and blood human being. He's the one perfect being and he chose to come into this mess of a world. Paul points out our separation from God. He says at the end of that passage in chapter 1 that we were once far from him in our sin, that we were once enemies of God because of our trespasses. Our very natures were corrupted by the influence of the dark powers. We were, in effect, slaves to evil, even though we didn't realize it. Even those of us who try to be good, outside of God-saving influence, we find ourselves trapped into being complicit in the machinations of sin that surround us. Our politics, our economy, our prejudices, our lusts and wants are all tainted by this sin nature. And cause us to sin, oftentimes in ignorance. Oftentimes we don't even realize that we are doing wrong. Outside of Christ, we are in a hopeless state. But the good news that Paul gives us here, and this is, this is what we're talking about here when we talk about sorteriology. We're saying that Paul here is trying to give us some inkling as to how God makes us right with himself through Jesus. And in Colossians, it talks about him making peace with everything in heaven and earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. And we might ask and say, how is that? How is it that God makes peace with the creation, that the barrier between God and us is broken down through Jesus' crucifixion? Well, we're told that God canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Jesus died in our place. If you've ever read the book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, or if you've ever seen the movie, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Aslan the Lion is essentially meant to represent a Jesus-like figure. And there's a young boy that basically betrayed his whole family. And because he betrayed his family, his life was forfeit. The evil witch said he has to die. That's the rule of the law. But instead, Aslan the lion goes and says, you let him go and I will die in his place. And he does. Jesus died In our place. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. In dying and rising again, Jesus let the powers of evil do their worst and he revealed them to be a sham by rising again. It's like saying, look, if this is the worst you can do, and I'm just going to come back, you don't have any power anymore. Jesus was not guilty, so their power over him was void. He is the firstborn from the dead. To put it another way, he wrestled with the enslaving power of sin and death, and he won. And when we take his outstretched arm, when we take his hand offering freedom, sin and death no longer has the power to hold us. We are made right. We are put in a right standing and relationship with God, as it were, when we trust in God the Son to do the work necessary achieve that end. One way that Paul puts it is that's and this is the reason why baptism is important. When we are baptized, it is a symbolic way of saying I am dying to my old self and I'm rising again to be a new self. Now there is no need to be bound to legalistic lists of rules. Not because we can do whatever we want. This is not an invitation to just go and do whatever you want because it doesn't matter anymore. Instead, it's very much the opposite. It's an invitation to walk with Jesus. It's not about just sitting and looking at a list of rules and saying, okay, I've got to check this list off. It's about saying, I'm going to live and walk with Jesus and do what he does. It's a new way of living. It is a it's a way to live in freedom. When we are walking with Jesus, he will reshape our wills so that we will be more and more naturally like him. We won't have to worry about, did I keep that rule and that rule? And instead our focus will be on following Jesus. Yes, we need to be mindful of what we do and what we say. We can't just say, well, because I'm a Christian, I can't do any wrong and just say whatever you want. Because Jesus calls us to be like him. Was Jesus kind to people? Yes, he was. When Jesus saw people that were saying things that were wrong, he corrected them. But he did it in a loving way. We're invited to be the same We need to be mindful of what we do and say, but not from the standpoint of checking off the lists of do's and don'ts, but instead we are mindful of whether or not we are following Jesus. His Holy Spirit is Jesus' spirit telling us what is his will. So when Jesus died and when he rose again, he truly freed those who who put their faith in him from the powers of sin and death. And we have a promise of eternal life in the new creation and a new life in the here and now. We don't have to be ruled by the old sinful self. In fact, if we truly follow Jesus, we won't be ruled by the old self because that has been cut away. That is what was crucified in Jesus' flesh, our old selves. And in being raised, Jesus offers us a new way to live. The Christian calling isn't merely about having the right beliefs. It's about having a new nature, one bent on loving God and neighbor and following Jesus. It is free from the old nature that leads to disappointment, sadness, and ultimately death. It is a free gift. You don't have to do anything other than accept it and follow Jesus. The question today is, have you truly said yes to Jesus in your life. Amen. Our closing hymn today is Blessed Assurance.
1: Uh, Mm
0: Gracious, holy and loving God, as we depart here today, we pray that you would go with us and that you would remind us that you have freed us from the powers of sin and death, that we have been invited into fellowship with you, and that we can follow Jesus freely and not be ruled by the old self. That you that the old self has passed away and you have given us new life in Jesus' name. Help us to use that life wisely to use it to do your will in the world, to be your image bearers in the world, to tell all people that we know about your goodness and love. We praise you and ask that you go and be with us and bless us until we meet here again. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen and go in peace.